It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. I am Steve Cofield. Come on and do it with me. The tight shorts typhoon. I'm like a, a leaf blower. I'm like a wood chipper. I'm like a, a blender on puree. I need you. I am Steve Cofield. 351 pounds, allegedly. Even if he does look like Eric Gregg ate James Tony. Now I'm very angry. With Steve Cofield. Every single one of you are going to get punished by God. You cannot escape God. It's hour here we go final hour of the week if you don't count weekend work and the podcast tonight but uh we're here candy we are ready to go on a friday lots of good stories to get to telling you this is a good one we got to get into the therapy bunny we got a big trade in the afc west and we got more freaking talk about the quarterback position is Derek carr the guy or not Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. We're rolling live video right now on uh, ESPN Las Vegas Facebook, Twitch, Twitter. So check it out. YouTube as well. Adam Candy's here. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota Studios. The Therapy Bunny. Where is this Therapy Bunny at? What's the deal? And uh, when we get to Derek Carr later on, will he need the therapy bunny? The therapy bunny is the breakout star of Major League Baseball in 2021. Bar none. Don't tell me about anybody else. The therapy bunny who appeared at the San Francisco Giants game last night. Four and a half months old. Golden brown. He actually serves a real purpose for his owner. His owner is someone who lost a restaurant during the pandemic, has had a hard time coping with anxiety. And so here go the cameras scanning through the uh, crowd last night in San Francisco. And what do they see? They see the therapy bunny. They see joy. And if there's anything that getting to go back to a baseball game is supposed to do for us, it's bring us joy. Well, the therapy bunny is bringing us joy. The therapy bunny apparently is catching the attention of all of Bay Area sports. Not only did the Giants owner say that the therapy bunny is welcome anytime to come back to the park, but the Warriors management said, you know what? If this bunny is like an average bunny and is super fast, get him out here. We'll run the break with the Warriors. The therapy bunny brings comfort. The therapy bunny brings joy. And I, for one, am in favor of therapy bunnies and or other cuddly, soft, furry animals in all places. Wow. So you mocked on me asking you about hugging Roger Goodell next week at the draft, but it sounds like you will hug a bunny in a split second. Hmm. I will hug that bunny until he can hug no more. Number four. Didn't sound weird at all. Could not be a future drop. No chance. No chance. Uh, best rivalries in baseball. Clearly, the Yankees-Red Sox, the Cardinals-Cubs, or is there a new one that's better and bigger? 
All right, if we're going to talk about actual breakout stars on the field of Major League Baseball in 2021, that would be the Dodgers-Padres rivalry, which gave us three great games last weekend, which is giving us four more this weekend between two teams that made very clear that their intentions were to win the World Series, and that's rare in Major League Baseball in 2021. Less than half the teams really went out there and made clear that they want to go win by what they did in the offseason. But if you look at the state of the rivalry, Steve, that you just mentioned, all right, so let's start from where everybody usually starts from, Yankees-Red Sox. You and I are both Yankees partisans. I kind of care when they play the Red Sox right now, but do I get fired up? Is it Pedro and Zimmer? Is it Bucky Dent? Is it David Ortiz and Jeter? No, it's it's Garrett Cole and Nate Ivaldi? Like, okay, cool. They're not really playing for anything, and they haven't played for anything playing each other since the playoffs, what, four years ago at this point? So, yeah, it's lost a little luster. Cardinals, Cubs, just stop. Just stop. Look, I, I, I'm not and I'm not giving you flyover country treatment here, but that rivalry has not had juice for quite a while at this point. But Dodgers-Padres? Think about how these two cities feel about each other. San Diego's entire identity is we're not L.A., L.A. looks at San Diego like, oh, you guys are cute. We'll come down to hang out at the beach every now and then. Big brother, little brother, franchises going after each other on the field. Probably the two most talented rosters in the National League. Sign me up. That's baseball's best rivalry right now. Think about the way uh, the media is concentrated in the Northeast, the Midwest, and the South, especially with, you know, say, college football. But in general... You've got the big sports content provider, ESPN, you know, our station in name. Has there really been a massive West Coast rivalry in any sport that has overtaken the sports world? The Dodgers and Padres have potential to be the studs of baseball in terms of rivalry. What What's the biggest one before this? Lakers Clippers what we tried to do with that in the last couple of years uh, didn't really materialize that became the problem I think we might get it this year I think we might get the real Lakers Clippers series but here's the thing it's intra LA and as our friend King of Los Angeles Arash has told us many times Lakers 1A Dodgers 1B and nobody else really moves the needle in all of Los Angeles now but could the rivalry mean something nationally yeah, when we see those two teams go at each other in the playoffs this year, if the Clippers and Lakers meet up and the Clippers were to win that series, yeah, then we got a real rivalry on our hands. Other than that, don't tell me about the freeway series, the Angels and the Dodgers. Those two teams don't care a lick about each other. We didn't have the option in the NFL for years. And hockey's hockey when it comes to most people. So that's it. Number three. LeBron James getting a rash of crap about the uh, tweet he sent out regarding the uh, shooting involving a law enforcement officer and a 15-year-old in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Doug Gottlieb got all over him. A lot of people have gotten all over LeBron saying, yeah, you've got a lot of responsibility here. Uh, Gottlieb actually wants the NBA to punish one LeBron James. That's interesting. We'll get to that. Let's hear a little Doug Gottlieb as he ranted on this on our sister station, Fox 1340 and 98.9 FM. I have no hate towards LeBron James, but what what a joke you got 49.6 million followers and you took a you had a photo of this cop and said accountability like 
that that vigilante justice when you don't have any of the facts you weren't there and you had it 100% wrong 100% Candy what do you think about the vigilante reference That's Doug Gottlieb being Mr. Orange County one more time but here's the thing with the idea of vigilante justice That's not vigilante justice LeBron James did not tell anybody to go hurt that person LeBron James, by saying you're next with an hourglass and hashtag accountability, was clearly, obviously, to anyone with a brain paying attention, saying you are next in the accountability that we just saw for Derek Chauvin in court, in court, where he was convicted of murdering George Floyd. That's the kind of accountability that he's talking about. Get out of here with vigilante justice. Don't try to make LeBron's tweet fit your agenda. And Adam Silver not doing anything? More embarrassing. You're not going to do anything with LeBron James did? When he's got 49.6 million followers? Like, you say something in a game, a microphone might or might not pick it up. How many people are watching? Really watching and paying attention. LeBron James has 50 million followers. And oh yeah, by the way, I'm going to guess that tweet, it gets retweeted. It, 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 it's like to the fourth or fifth power in terms of how many people see it. Not only did you get it wrong and did you put somebody's life in danger and did you cast police in a negative light, but even now you won't come down off of it. Candy, should he officially apologize here? And if he doesn't, is it time for the NBA to officially suspend LeBron James for, I don't know, four or five games? LeBron has nothing to apologize for. I'm still waiting for someone to tell me, and I have not heard a convincing argument yet, what LeBron James did that necessitates an apology. He pulled the tweet down. Did not a lot of people spend most of their week talking about Mark Davis and his tweet about George Floyd and arguing, should it have been taken down? But no, we listened to Mark Davis when he said, I've learned from it. That wasn't my intention. And I've heard a lot of people out here saying, well, Mark Davis had things right in the heart. We heard Stanford Routes say it earlier today. Okay, I'm willing to go with it. LeBron James actually did pull the tweet down and post another explanation saying, I think it was causing anger and hate. And I don't believe that LeBron James saw this as something where he was potentially culpable if someone actually did turn to violence. I just think LeBron James reacted emotionally as a black man who's lived in America for 30 something years to a situation. And after he had a moment to see how his emotion was being interpreted, decided, okay, you know what? That wasn't really what I was going for. But you know what? When Doug Gottlieb says something like, you're casting the police in a negative light. No, the George Floyd, Derek Chauvin situation casts police in a negative light. LeBron James doesn't need to do a thing when it comes to that. That's things we can see on video. And the thing is, to talk about this situation, you have to be willing to look at it from the perspective of someone else. That's not what I'm sensing from Doug. That's not what I'm sensing from a lot of people. I'm willing to look at it from the perspective of LeBron James and the perspective of someone who for a number of years has had to watch very obvious things on video in front of them not be punished in the criminal justice system. That would make me emotional too. I thank God every day that I have the privilege that I have and I haven't had to live through 
things like that. But it doesn't mean I can't consider the perspectives of people who have. Number two. Most teams go into the NFL offseason. You know, logic would say, hey, let's fix some of the weaknesses. I feel like as the Raiders move towards a draft, they still have not addressed certain positions. Then there's the Chiefs. Chiefs had a really good year last year. They, they're a superpower team, but they got beat up on the line, on the offensive line, and then they didn't have the depth to really compete in the Super Bowl. So what have they done in the offseason? They've fixed the problem. They've addressed it repeatedly. The, you know, their first small piece was getting Kyle Long back at a really cheap number. Then they spent a load on Joe Tooney to play probably multiple positions. And now today, a big one, they trade their first round pick and they go out and get Orlando Brown from the Ravens. So now they've added Tooney, Brown, and Long. Yeah, they gave up a lot. They gave up a first round pick and three other picks. They get back Brown a second rounder, a six rounder. I mean, I don't want to state the obvious, but this this is why the Chiefs dominate this division. Look at a team like the Chiefs who took the obvious hole on their roster and plugged it, period. What else do you have to say? The Raiders did that in one of their positions, but they had way more holes to plug than the Chiefs did. The Chiefs are the standard. The Chiefs are the standard, not just in the West. The Chiefs are the standard in the NFL. They've been to three consecutive AFC Championship games. They've won a Super Bowl in there. They've been to two Super Bowls. And they used logic. They said, we got screwed on our offensive line in the Super Bowl. We got crushed by Tampa's pass rush. What do we do? We fix it. All right, so the Raiders went out and looked at one of their holes and said, all right, Yannick Ngakwe. We've got Yannick Ngakwe. He fixes one of our pass rush problems. What about free safety? What about your injured and unproven cornerbacks? What about an offensive line that you threw into chaos by your own choice? Where's your number one receiver? There are plenty of questions for the Raiders that are still left to answer, and I'm not willing to bury them just yet because maybe they have something up their sleeve when it comes to the draft, but we can only evaluate them on where they are today. And today, you look at the Chiefs and say, the Chiefs have fixed their holes for next year, and the Raiders have not. Number one. So it's got to be frustrating to be a Raiders fan when you see what's going on in the offseason. Chiefs, really good and getting better, fixing their problems. Raiders, a lot of question marks going into the draft. And then we get this one this morning. Ian Rappaport from NFL Network, who often gets a lot of the Raiders stories. He clearly has some good sources in the Raiders organization. I don't know if it goes all the way up to the top. But he sends out this tweet. Seems like a yearly ritual, but once again, the Raiders did extensive work on all the top quarterbacks. If one slides past 10, they could be a team to watch to grab a quarterback and stash for the future. Doubtful that a quarterback gets to number 17, but they will have their homework ready. All right, well, kudos, right? They're working. You should be prepared to draft every position uh, you know, in the league, and if someone falls, you think about it. But my God, are you committed to Derek Carr or not? And are you committed to winning now? Because if you're committed to winning now, stashing anything can't be an option. Stash. They need help now. What would be your reaction if they 
traded from, say, 17 up to 8, right? Because Trey Lance is available. Would you be happy, Candy? Should Raiders fans be happy? It's a different question than what Ian Rappaport put out there. Ian Rappaport said if something falls to them, that they'll be ready. Well, trading up to eight is not something falling to you. That's making a move based on thinking that Trey Lance shouldn't be there at number eight. If the Raiders were to trade significant draft capital to go get Trey Lance, that does not help them win this year. That probably doesn't help them win next year. And it would say to me that John Gruden likes his shiny objects and wanted to go get the shiniest object he could see, which is a quarterback with the tools of Trey Lance. So no, I wouldn't be thrilled about that. But what would you say if it were at pick 17? If they were sitting there at 17 and Trey Lance or Justin Fields had slid to that point, Mm. what do you say then? Because then Mike Mayock doing his homework probably pays off, and it either pays off in one of two ways. Either they take one of those guys, or they go find someone desperate for a quarterback at the back half of the draft, and they trade that pick for capital to use later. So, no, good on Mike Mayock for doing the homework. It's just the job. And, yeah, Mike Mayock used to work at the NFL Network with Ian Rappaport, so I'm not surprised that there's a pretty good pipeline of information going to old rap sheet. I also want to talk about uh, this leaking out to the media a week before the draft and how Derek Carr and Camp, you know, very sensitive. They, they pay attention. Camp Carr gets pretty riled up pretty easily. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. So, Candy, is this tweet... From Ian Rappaport, just uh, some of that final second hype before the draft. There's not much left to say at this point, is there? I'm not sure it's hype. I'm just, I think it's filling time. What else <laughs> is there to say? Right? We, we've broken down everything there is to break down about all of these prospects. There's nothing that we can say that's all that new at this point so if Ian Rappaport is saying hey it happens every year Raiders are doing it again they're looking at quarterbacks is that really different than what every other team is doing right now if a quarterback falls to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the back half of the first round are the Pittsburgh Steelers not looking at quarterbacks just in case something weird happens of course they are they better be right they better be the Steelers better be So it's interesting. Is there a chance that Fields or Lance could slip all the way down to 17? I don't think so. I don't believe any of that hype, quite honestly. I ultimately feel like if there's any one quarterback who's going to slide, it's Mac Jones. Because if you look at the way we have talked about the San Francisco 49ers and their obsession, supposedly, with Mac Jones... What other franchise have you heard who is that enamored with Mac Jones? Hmm. We talked to Jeffrey Benson from Circus Sports earlier this week, and we discussed the props they have up. They've got some interesting ones, and I've basically been begging for this prop somewhere because I wanted to take a shot at it. They put Mac Jones at nine, over under nine for draft position. Now, obviously, the under was juiced heavily. 
over, I think it was close to minus 350. But I wanted, I, I should say the under was juice that. Right, right. The over was what I wanted, and yeah. I took it. I, I, I took it at nearly three to one because if the Niners don't take him, I still could see Mac Jones sliding to 17. I don't know about that. What do you think of this uh, anonymous scout that told uh, Bob McGinn, longtime NFL writer, that he thought Justin Fields with a redshirt year could be Donovan McNabb? Stanford route laid it out as well as I could ever lay it out. And maybe this is just me as a tortured Giants fan talking, but Donovan McNabb played a lot of great football in the NFL. Donovan McNabb was an upper-shelf quarterback for the better part of a decade. And the fact that that team didn't win a Super Bowl is not on Donovan McNabb's shoulders alone. So I think if you say Justin Fields could be Donovan McNabb, I think that's great. But I also think we keep talking about the idea of redshirt years for quarterbacks. Look, man, that's an antiquated notion. You don't sit for a year anymore. If you get drafted, the Jordan Loves of the world who sit behind Aaron Rodgers... Those are the anomalies. You draft a quarterback in the first round, and we're all expecting to see him on the field. Let's talk more about the quarterback position with a guy who played the position in the league with the Raiders. Matt McGloin is going to join us, former Penn State quarterback, and doing work now on satellite radio with Sirius XM. And he'll give us his grades on the Raiders' future at quarterback and also all these guys who are available. Potentially five of them could go in the first round. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Here we go, down the stretch on a Friday. Let's talk uh, more about these quarterbacks available next week. First rounders, many of them could be over under. Originally it was four and a half, now it's five and a half. And uh, a lot of rumors this week, a lot of chatter this week about Justin Fields. But today was kind of bizarre. Uh, NFL Network puts out a tweet saying, Hey, the Raiders have done extensive work. They are prepared on the quarterback position. Does that mean they're going to take a quarterback at 17 if one of them slipped? Matt McGloin played the position with the Raiders, played at Penn State. He's doing work with uh, Sirius XM, and he joins Steve and Candy here in Vegas. How are you, sir? Hey, what's going on? I appreciate you having me. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on. A whole lot's going on. Uh, what do you think about this stuff uh, draft week when you get a, a weird tweet like this from Ian Rappaport saying, hey, the Raiders have done their work on quarterbacks. I just, I don't know. I don't understand the purpose, and I'm not sure where it came from. I think, uh, you know, I think everybody does their work, you know, especially on quarterbacks and especially in the draft class that we have this year. I mean, there's a ton of talent. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Justin Fields. I mean, those are five very talented guys who all have the talent to one day be starting quarterbacks, you know, in the NFL. So, you know, uh, I'm sure everybody, not just the Las Vegas Raiders, you know, are, are doing the work on the quarterbacks. And that's not just for now. You know, that's for, you know, the future as well, you know, scouting these players, you know, because, you know, with trades and play, players being released and, you know, the NFL is, is a revolving door, um, you know, so so I'm sure every team does their due diligence on, on every player that, you know, is in the draft. And, and like I said, especially the quarterback position, because the want for quarterback is so high. Right, and there's just not a lot of quarterbacks out there that can play at an elite level um, in the NFL, and everybody's trying to find one. Um, you know, so I look at 17. I don't see any of those five quarterbacks dropping to 17. You know, I think it's a crazy year. Um, all of them should go earlier than that. Um, so I think it was just, you know, 
speculation or the Raiders just doing their job. <laughs> so if you're in Derek Carr's shoes, Matt, do, do you take it that way? Like, can you take it as just, yeah, it's just a media report that's out there about something I would expect them to do to be ready for the draft? Or, or do you think the fact that we've been doing this speculation around the Raiders pretty much for the time uh, that they've you know, been connected with Las Vegas, first with Tom Brady, and then we went through it last offseason as well. Like, do, do you think that that is something that would bother Derek Carr or any other quarterback in his situation? Well, wasn't there a rumor that Russell Wilson was going to the Raiders, you know, this year? Didn't I see that? Just somewhere? this offseason. You know, look, it, it's, I mean, Derek has dealt with, you know, quarterback rumors, I feel like for the past few years, you know, when, when they were. You know, making them move to Las Vegas. You know, I feel like you know, uh, there were rumors that other quarterbacks were, were going to be, be the, you know, the next quarterback of the Raiders, or when Gruden took over, you know, in Oakland. So, you know, it, I mean, he's one of the most mentally tough quarterbacks that I had the opportunity to be around. Um, you know, uh, all he wants to do is work, whether it's on the practice field, in the film room, or in the weight room. Um, you know, he's not the type of player. He's not the type of person to let outside noise bother him you know uh, or affect his work ethic man he just he embraces the grind um you know and he loves being the quarterback you know for the las vegas raiders you know I had a, I had, it's 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 taken me a, a very long time to not say oakland raiders you know <laughs> but i uh, but i'm getting used to it matt i mean if you can successfully do that I think that there's a job waiting for you on like the CBS or Fox broadcast team because not those guys couldn't get it straight all last year. Like, so yeah. don't worry about it. You are far, far from alone. Um, you'd mentioned all of the quarterbacks in the draft, and, and obviously we've all had a chance, maybe too many chances, to analyze them to death at this point. Um, I'm going to operate from the assumption that Trevor Lawrence is the clear number one pick. Beyond that, when you evaluate these quarterbacks, who do you see as the one who has the best chance for short-term success in the NFL? I think once you get past Lawrence and Wilson, I don't think there's a guy that can play early, that can play right away, right? Look, what can I say about Trevor Lawrence that hasn't already been said? He's a can't-miss guy. He's the best quarterback prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck. He's a day-one starter, obviously, with the Jets making moves the way they have, Zach Wilson is going to be their guy uh, moving forward. And, you know, I, I, I mean, after seeing, obviously, the way he's played throughout the season at BYU, but then you watch his pro day, and, you know, I'm not huge on watching and evaluating guys throw in shorts and T-shirt, right, because there's no rush. You should be able to complete every pass. You know, it should look effortless to you when you're going to go in the first round or, or one of the first few picks. But, you know, things I took away from it with that, I thought he had a quick release, right? Um, you know, I thought he moved really well with the wide base. And, you know, yeah, I thought he did a great job of setting the target line very quickly. You know, he, he doesn't waste much time, um, you know, getting ready to throw the football. The, the ability to throw on the move, drifting left to right was very good. He's, he's so good off balance. Um, he's so good when he's uncomfortable, right? And then when you play the quarterback position in the NFL, very rarely are you going to have the opportunity just to stand there and deliver the football, right? You're going to have to move forward, left, back. You're going to have to throw for some crazy angles at times. And, you know, he does that better than anybody, I think, you know, coming out of college that we've seen in recent memory. Uh, I mean, Trey Lance, you know, I, I, I think he does a great job of kind of keeping everything in order, right? Just, he doesn't let his legs get 
too wide. He, he kind of keeps everything within the framework of his body. He keeps his feet inside his shoulders. Um, I mean, he looks like, you know, he's a 30-year-old quarterback who has been playing in the NFL, you know, for a long time. You kind of have to remind yourself that this guy's only 20 years old. You know, so I think for him going to, like, in Atlanta or somebody like, somewhere like that where he can sit and learn um, is really going to be beneficial to him. You know, I mean, Mac Jones, a winner. He's consistent. He's accurate. Um, you know, he understands where to go with the football. You know, great decision maker. And then for me, like, the biggest risk and the biggest project, I think, is, is Justin Fields. And I'm only saying that because I fear he's, he's, he's an athlete that plays quarterback. And he's not just – he's not a quarterback that is athletic, right? And a lot of times when you get these, these athletes that play quarterback – I mean, they they think that if read one or maybe read two isn't there, that they'll just go create plays because they're better athletes than everybody else on the field, which at Ohio State, Justin Fields was. I mean, he's a tremendous athlete. Um, uh, but I just think yeah, I think he's one of the biggest risks and one of the biggest projects, um, you know, uh, of the quarterbacks in this draft. But he could potentially have, you know, a lot, a lot more upside than, than the Trey Lance's, Mac Jones's, you know, so. Former Raiders and Penn State quarterback Matt McGloin joining us here on Cofield and Company. Adam Candy, Steve Cofield. Uh, Matt, just a quick follow-up to what you said. You mentioned setting the target line. For dummies like me out there, what does that mean? <laughs> it just means, like, so, like, you know, I, I think a lot of times everybody gets so – caught up in where like your your front foot is pointed you know obviously when you're throwing the football you have to have your front foot pointed you know to where to where you're throwing the football if that makes sense kind of keeping it a little more open than you know uh, than closed i guess you can say but i mean for me you know and some of the things that i've been taught throughout my career in the nfl like so much depends on your back foot as well like is your back foot you know lining up and 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 yeah you have it's kind of it's kind of tough to explain over the phone it'd be a lot easier if i was talking to you and showing you, you know, in person, but it's, it's kind of having everything in a straight line. So Larry, let me use this as an example, right? When you go to throw a football, you know, you stand straight, you're, you're looking straight at somebody, you know, your, your, your hips are straight, you know, everything is straight in line. And then you go to the, throw the football. Now that, that should be the way you throw the football everywhere on across the field, left, center, right, wherever it may be. And that's kind of what I meant by that. He's just always, in line, he's always aiming directly, you know, at his target, and he's always doing it fairly quickly. You know, he's not he's not wasting motion. He's not taking too long to do that. He's not having to shuffle his feet at times to put himself in the position. You know, there's not a lot of wasted motion when he does it. Whereas you may see some quarterbacks who have issues doing that, and which can lead to accuracy issues, and maybe the ball is too high and outside, or it's too low, or it's left inside. Um, but, I mean, he, like I said, he does a very good job at that. Matt, you mentioned the idea of athletes at quarterback versus, uh, you know, quarterbacks who are also athletes. Where do we kind of set the line on that with mobility in a quarterback, right? We want a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes who has the ability to get outside the pocket and make plays off platform. But you also don't want somebody who relies on their athleticism as a primary method. Is that kind of where we're going with it? Yeah, I mean, you said the guy that I thought of immediately was Mahomes. Like, we all know, you know Mahomes doesn't, you know, when you're scouting Mahomes, you're not saying to yourself, this guy's going to run all over us, right? But how many times have we seen him over the past few years, week after week, you know, play breaks down, he runs for 14 yards, 
first down. He runs for six yards and a first down, or it's late in the fourth. They drop coverage. He's outside the pocket. He goes for a first down. You know what I mean? I'm just uh, Russell Wilson. Even the threat of running is there, but these guys aren't run first guys. They're, they're, they're have some of the best arms in the league. Russell Wilson. So it's one of the best deep balls in the National Football League today. Um, you know, they're accurate. Um, but they, they could push the football down the field. They don't want to run, but they, I mean, they could run if they have to, right? That's all I mean by that. And, you know, when you're at, like I said, when you're an athlete playing the quarterback position, you know, in the back of your mind, you can't just think, all right, if I don't have this, I'm just going to take off and run. Guys are too good on Sundays, you know, and, and on top of that, you know, when we're drafting you one, two, three, five, eight, nine, whatever it may be, we want you to be our franchise guy. You need to be there for a long time. We want to do everything we can to keep you healthy so you can continue to lace up your spikes and put your helmet on, you know, for 16, for 16 weeks. Um, you know, so that's just what I meant by that. You know, I mean, you got to prevent taking big hits, you know, and make sure you're taking care of yourself. I mean, and at the end of the day, you got to be able to throw the football, you know, to win football games. Matt McGloin, former Raiders quarterback on Cofield and Company. Let's uh, close where we started with a Derek Carr question. A couple of years from now, what's more likely? Uh, Derek Carr is inking an extension for about 30 mil a year, or Baker Mayfield is inking an extension for 30 mil a year? What's more likely, Carr or Mayfield? I think it's Derek. I really do. You know, uh, you know he's done such a good job year in and year out of putting the Raiders in positions to win football games. You know, they're, they're always competitive. Um, and you got to remember one of those things about Derek is that, you know, he's had a lot of different offensive coordinators. He had a lot of moving parts around him. Um, but yet he still manages to go out there and complete more than 65% of his passes. I mean, you look at the past three years, he's thrown for 4,000 yards three years in a row. Um, you know, the touchdown interception ratio is, much better um, than two to one. You know, his, uh, I want to say his, his QB rating, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think his career QB rating is over 90 or something like that. Um, but, uh, I mean, you want to look at a guy who has been consistent, who, you know, has been the face of the Raiders for, you know, the past, gosh, seven years. Um, you know, so, I mean, this is a guy that's going to be able to play for as long as he wants to play. Um, you know, I mean, I hope it's continues to be for the Raiders. Um, you know, obviously I enjoy watching him play each and every week. I enjoy watching the Raiders play each and every week. So you know, I wish him the best of luck. I hope he continue to continue to stay healthy. Um, and I know he's going to continue to play well. Matt McGloin, appreciate the time. You got anything else cooking? You still doing the podcast? You doing stuff with Sirius? What's going on? Yeah, just doing some uh, stuff with Sirius XM, you know, ESPNU, Big Ten Radio. I'm um, really enjoying that. A lot of draft talk, you know, now. Uh, so I'm kind of glad the draft is uh, is next week. So, uh, you know, we can move on to, uh, you know, some real football talk and uh, start preparing for the season. Thanks, Matt. We appreciate it. Anytime. Take care, guys. There he is, Matt McGloin. You can hear him on SiriusXM Big Ten Radio. That's channel 372. We go into the grab bag on the way out as uh, – Ari's going to tell us all about old people who suck. The Cofield and Company crew is back tonight at 1030. It's the DC and the Sunshine Man podcast with Dave Koken. Watch at Steve Cofield on Twitter or on YouTube. 
from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield and Adam Candy on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, this isn't really a celebratory moment to close out the show, but I will say uh, I know Ari is very much into uh, Shock G and Digital Underground, and Candy during a break was doing the Humpty Dance, not actually the dance, but was uh, spewing the lyrics, spitting the lyrics, and Adam Hill, who's not here, uh, he may be the best person in the world at doing the Humpty Dance at karaoke. That is his song. Ari laughs. Have you not seen this, Ari? No, I'm aware. Oh, yeah. I have big, not seen him big fella, see it, but big fella can do it. Oh yeah, he gets down. No, I've never seen it live though. I would love to. Well, the thing is, I can kind of picture it for you. First, he limps to the side like his leg is broken, shaking and yeah, right. Is that right? Is that Ari that can kind of picture it? Getting there, yeah. Shaking and switching, kind of like he was smoking. Right. Are you are you good? Yeah, I've had enough. Yeah. Man, the, uh, oh, the- you, oh, you've had enough. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to bring disgrace no, to your I memories mean, of Shock no, G. No, I mean, I Only mean, one of, of us Hill. here actually knows someone who has purchased a bottle of Hennessy for Shock G. And that oh, would be one of my best friends in the world. Wait, what? What happened? Digital Underground played a show in Flagstaff at Northern Arizona <laughs> University. Really? And, and my buddy runs all of the concerts <laughs> for the university. And so we had a long time between when Digital Underground arrived and when the show was actually going on. So they needed a little bit of hospitality. And uh, my, my boy was the one who took him over to the liquor store. Love it. Well, this does suck. He was 57 years old. Ari, I know you've been bummed out like week after week after week with uh, legendary figures in the world of hip hop from the 80s and 90s passing away. And I saw, I mean, I again, I'm not the biggest music guy. I saw people going just crazy in terms of praise for shock G. Yeah, man. He, I mean, well, that song was, was huge back in the day. Um, you know it. So everybody knows it. Uh, he also is pretty much was the guy that found Tupac, so to speak, got him, got him going in the industry. Uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, Tupac used to break dance for that group. That's how it all started. So yeah, he's a, he's a fixture in the hip hop scene or was, I should say rest in peace to him. I also played a couple cuts today from Tupac that he produced. There you go. Stick your hand in there, Dave. I will. We just mentioned old people can suck sometimes. Michael Richards of Seinfeld fame. Man, when it comes to the neighborhood, Candy, you don't walk over and mess with a man or woman's landscaping. I don't care what their tree is doing or how it looks. You got to ask, don't you? Uh, yeah, apparently uh, Kramer's in trouble here because he and his wife, according to the neighbor, uh, claims that they sauntered over, as TMZ says, uh, to the Pacific Palisades property. Nice area. Uh, and maliciously cut mature Brazilian pepper trees and underbrush. Some of these trees were uh, 30 years old. Look out. We got trouble. We got a lot of trouble maliciously yes that's an interesting word like i'm imagining kramer going full kramer going full cosmo kramer on that tree like that actually could have been a decent episode of seinfeld if they weren't in the city where nobody has trees to cut down right you could have made that into a pretty good show 
Uh, I have a tree that's about to fall on a neighbor's house. Mm. Don't touch it. Don't you touch it. I'll get it fixed. I'll get it fixed. Uh, they now have that in perpetuity from this broadcast. They now can record that, and when you fail to cut the tree down, Justin Watkins is going to have to fight them yeah. with a recording of you saying you were going to take care of it, and he's going to be like, yeah, man, I, I can't do anything. You get along with your neighbors. I went over to your neighborhood a couple of times to exchange uh, some equipment. And first of all, I was blown away. I think I talked to, uh, talked about this around the holidays. A lot of aggressive uh, decorations, which you know I'm into. I'm into the, the, the mega lights and the inflatables. You okay with neighbors on both sides? Any issues over noise, the trees, the bushes? You good? We are largely good. In fact, I just had an interaction with my neighbor this week in which um you know she she tends to go in and out of the house using the front door more than the garage and okay. the, the door slams pretty heavily like i don't think it's her fault it's just it's a heavy door and the dog oh man the dog freaks out when he hears this door he goes crazy the dog freaks out and so it's just a gentle ask of like hey my dog's out of his mind um, you know, if you don't mind, which, you know, could you, could you just a little bit softer? Sure. No problem. Lisa was happy with that. On the other side, uh, Renee's got a couple of dogs and, you know, we're, we don't all hang out together, but we're good. No, no neighbor problems. I would not go and cut down any of their landscaping. I trust you. I believe you. Not everyone is like an Adam Candy. I mean, you could say that again. You could say that till the end of the show. And, and you could mean it so many different ways, and you'd be right about all of them. We will see you. Come back with us tonight at Steve Cofield at ESPN Las Vegas on Facebook and Twitter. We've got our DC and the Sunshine Man podcast going live at 1030.